This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. And this is Megan McCulloch, Research Analyst at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, we're here with Dan French, CEO of Consider Solutions, to talk about finance talent. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. So at APQC, we surveyed over 300 finance professionals to learn about the focus areas, initiatives, and challenges they expect for 2022. We found that one of the top focus areas for this year is finance talent. So we wanted to get Dan back on the podcast to give us his thoughts. So Dan, we saw that for both upskilling current talent and for recruiting new talent, executives are looking for the same top three skills, process, technology, and analytics. Why do you think the, these skill areas are in so much demand right now? That's an interesting question. I think um, when you look at the top five, those are the top three, you look at the top five, the, the fourth and fifth are business partnering collaboration and data literacy. Now, interestingly, business process management is impossible to do well if you're not doing business partnering. And advanced analytics are impossible to do well if you don't have any data literacy and probably uh, technology and automation suffer the same problem. So it, it's kind of an interesting, complex picture. But business process management is, again, another one of those buzzwords. You know, it's kind of slightly dangerous, but the understanding of the essence of business processes, these end-to-end -end cycles, is absolutely critical for finance. It allows them to communicate and collaborate better with the rest of the organization. Um, and it also allows them to improve the processes and how they operate with the rest of the organization. So that's not a surprise. The technology and automation piece is important, but again, we've got to be careful not to assume that you know, the answer is always technology because you can often get quicker and more significant returns out of streamlining a process and eliminating things you don't need to do than you can get from technology implementation, which might take you 12 to 18 months. But it's important. And then analytics, understanding the process. So it relates very much to process management. You, if you want to understand your business processes, one of the things you have to do, as well as you know, uh, create uh, maps of how they currently operate and the journeys through them, you also need data about how those processes actually operate. And people tend to assume that analytics is just about presenting performance to management, performance measures. Well, really, that's kind of largely, it's, it's almost immaterial because you kind of know how well you're doing. You, you might not know it's 71%, you might think it's 69 or 72. But telling management how well or badly you're doing doesn't change anything. What you want to do is continuously improve. So you need the data to help you understand where the processes are breaking down so you can improve them. And quite often those improvements are business process changes and behavioral changes. And sometimes their technology changes. So those three topics are really interrelated. And whether you're uh, seeking new finance talent or upskilling, you want to look for this intersection of these skills. And the one thing I would say is before you start searching for new finance talent to do this, what about your existing talent? How about developing those skills and giving people the excitement of doing new things and making them really value the environment they're in? and the leadership they're working with, for them to start getting into some of these um, topics. So what approaches do you think would be most effective for upskilling um, finance professionals? I think upskilling is obviously, you've got to work out of your team. There are people 
who quite naturally are quite happy with the job they're doing. They like to learn a few new things, but they're not massively bothered about doing a lot of new things. because It's not the most important thing in their life. But there are other people who are very keen to develop and do more things. So you've got to work out, first of all, what people's expectations are. So for your team, you want to work out, you know, what, what's your ideal working environment? And some people will say, you know, so long as I don't have to work any more hours than I currently do, and, you know, I'm reasonably happy, then I'm okay with that. Other people will say, I just want to keep doing new things. I want to learn stuff. I want to break new ground. The people who want to learn stuff, do new things, you want to give them opportunities to do it. Give them opportunities to learn um, either work with kind of, uh, you know, courses. And there's a lot of online courses and diplomas these days. But also give them the opportunity to say, right, business process management, for example. Would you take two or three people and say, I want you to look at this process end to end. And I, over the next four weeks, I'd like you to talk to people up and down the process. I'd like you to come and back and explain how you think it currently works and what might be made different and see what other people think too, not just your opinion, but what do people at the other end think? So if you give people those opportunities, it probably isn't that much time out of their, you know, it's not an enormous time out of their um, working day. And people who are keen to do it will put extra effort in anyway. Um, and I think it's a great, a great opportunity. So I would, first of all, ask, find out which people really want to, you know, get stuck into learning new things whilst doing their current job, because that's a challenge, right? That's, that's the ask, because we yep. can't just stop doing what we're doing today. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's it. Yeah, that's a trade off, right? And some people want to do it and some people don't. And there's no right or wrong about it. it it's okay. And then give people the opportunity to learn and uh, come up with new ideas. I, I, I want to ask a follow-up to that. So can we go over some pros and cons, the, the benefits, risk around upskilling your current talent compared to hiring new? There's this unusual term culture, isn't it? So culture, in my when we talk about culture, to me, that's the word that means how stuff gets done around here, you know, how things get, decisions get made and how people operate. Now, in some organizations, I've spoken to some people I know who've taken over a new role in big companies and they found everybody in the company has been with that company for like 15 years or more. And there's very little, and everyone's kind of thinking in the same way. So one of the things you want to do is, one of the most important things is to encourage people to think differently. Now you can solve that problem by hiring, well, you can't solve the problem. You can inject some think different genes into the organization by hiring externally. But also you can encourage the people who have been with you for a while to say, look, I want you, and maybe you can pick certain people and say, who wants to have a go at thinking about what we do in a completely different way? Turn it upside down and we won't necessarily implement it, but I want you to think about it. So the, the challenge is that I think we owe it to the, the people we have to give them the best opportunity to make the most for our organization. So I think you should always start with how do we grow and upskill our current talent? If we have more demand and more budget for people than we currently have people, then obviously we're going to need some new people. That's that's fine. But I think it's a dangerous game to go and say, we've got this new stuff we've got to do. Let's find people who know all about it, bring them in here, and then we're going to find we can't afford all the people we've got, so we're going to have to get rid of some other people. That's not a good, that's not a good place to, to be, really. Um, so I would always start for upskilling first. And, you know, there's so many ways that we can spark people's 
ideas about thinking differently, about new approaches. There's so much information and access to communities available online through LinkedIn, through, you know, uh, sort of, you know, your own organization. Lots of people are doing this, you know, but creating environments for people to learn. Um, so I think you should do that first. And then it's hiring externally is the last resort. Or if we need more people, we're a growing business and we need more people, then it's not a last resort, clearly, but it's part of the mix. Absolutely. So, Dan, we also saw a big focus on talent retention in our survey. So what do you think are the keys to keeping finance talent happy, engaged, and, and willing to stick around? Yeah, um, I don't think there's one answer to this either. I think it's all about communication. I think we need to find out what people's aspirations are for their, their jobs. Um, you know, your job's only part of your life. For some people, it's a bigger part than others. That's okay. Um, so you, you've got to need a way of finding out from people what they want from their job. And if they want minimum, you know, some people want minimum change and minimum impact on their lives. And, and what's important to them might be certain things around that. Other people might say, no, I want maximum change, maximum impact. And that's just the way people are wired. So that's okay. you've got to find those people. I think communication is important. And then for those that want, you know, some people, you know, it's very easy to fall into this idea that everyone's wired up the same way. Some people want to be excited and motivated in their job and kind of constantly, you know, almost like the adrenaline rush of work. And some people don't want the adrenaline rush at all. They find the adrenaline rush very uncomfortable. They want the opposite of an adrenaline rush. And that's okay as well, but you've got to have the right people in the right jobs. Hmm. So I, I think it's very important we don't kind of start sort of grading people as if, if you've got the adrenaline, then you're a better person than somebody doesn't. I mean, it's you need both of those things in every organization. So it's a question of you know, getting people into the right environment. So say that an organization is looking to hire new finance talent. So what are some strategy ideas for organizations that are struggling to attract that top tier finance talent for their organization? I think it's the same challenge, whatever talent they're trying to bring in. So I think some organizations make the mistake of writing a job description and posting that through, you know, a job site or through LinkedIn or whatever, and hoping that people are going to go, oh, that sounds just like me. I'm going to do that job. But you people, there's also this kind of sense of aspiration as well. Is that a place I'd like to be? And I think more and more the evidence is people want to work somewhere where they feel they're getting more than just a paycheck. And so I think it's um, leadership's responsibility to kind of work out what that is, what that why is about why would you want to work here? Not we got a job, <laughs> but why would you want to work here? And, um, and some companies do that very well. And there's an awful lot, again, there's an awful lot written about it and there's lots of videos about it. And I don't think it needs to be too kind of altruistic, but I think, you know, a lot of companies, you know, a lot of organizations are big and successful. We don't actually know much about them. So people have got to explain, this is what we do. This is what we're trying to do as a company. Does that interest you? And we have these jobs. And I think that's a more powerful way than saying we've got a job here. Because I think people might take interviews and might do all sorts of stuff. And then they go, you know what? You know, you know, that job description, I can see lots of places. But I'd rather work for company B because the people I met are more engaging. 
or because the company's got a better why about it. And actually those two things are often related anyway. I'd like to ask a, a bonus question here, Dan. Um, extra points for the bonus. <laughs> extra points, yes. What do you think are the top drivers and the top challenges that people have in in trying to upskill basically you know get get top performing finance talent so what's driving them to focus on it and then what challenges do you think they're having in terms of getting to that level of of skill and, and efficiency with their talent i think i mean i think it varies from organization to organization but i do see a lot of challenge of of not enough thinking differently i think that thinking differently quality the ability to be a problem solver, an analytical person. I don't mean data analytics. I mean, somebody who can look at problems and go, oh, that's kind of interesting, why is that? Um, and, you know, ability to solve problems. People who are aware of cognitive biases, you know, we, we've talked about this before, you know, people who are aware that, you know, life isn't just a set of facts. It isn't a logical game. It's a, it's a life is actually in business is quite illogical at times. It's people's behavior is kind of interesting and it's, it's developed by, millennia of evolution but we've got to understand when you're looking at trying to be creative and change the performance of an organization you need to harness the talent but you need to kind of inspire the talent to think differently and i think anything you can do you know putting people you know even down to saying to people i'd like you i want some volunteers to to swap job roles for a month with something massively different to what you do. I mean, not just, you know, swap with your boss, but swap with a different, you know, a completely different function or sub-function for a month and work at, and with a purpose to find out at the end of that period, what do we learn about how this whole process works? Because you've actually experienced both ends of it. Things, there's things you can do. And I think it just requires us to be a bit bold. Absolutely. Awesome. I really like that. And um, I hope we'll, uh, Megan, I hope we'll include job rotations in this finance talent uh, research that we're doing. I'm, oh, I'm so interested in that. And I've never had the opportunity to do it myself, but I've always thought I would learn so much about how things work by just sitting on the other side of the table for a little bit. Really cool idea. I agree. It's a bit off topic, but I went, uh, I worked for Texas Instruments at one point and they put me on a, um, this kind of development program, which I didn't know what it was, really, but it was five days in the south of France. Well, that sounds good. I thought, oh, I'll go to the beach for a week, but it wasn't. You were locked in this development center for a week, long hours. But basically, they created this environment, which was completely fictitious, but it was completely believable. And it was a bunch of psychologists wandering about. And you had to perform, go through this working environment, which is something completely that you didn't understand. It was deliberately a, a working environment that you had no subject matter knowledge of. And you and lots of problems would occur. Problems would occur and people would ask you things and you'd have to have meetings and solve things. And it was really, really interesting. But it was a lot harder than I expected it to be because I thought it was going to be like a vacation, but it wasn't. Um, but um, going through it, at the end, the two psychologists looked at each other and they looked at me and said, have you considered a job in HR? And I'll stop there. But that was quite funny. That is wild, <laughs> and we are definitely going to ask you more about that this at the after the pod. But um, for now, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Dan. Thank you. And once again, I'm Mercy Harper, and I'm Megan McCulloch. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast.
Please go to apqc.org to learn more about our research, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.